Well, turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Job. I mean, Job. It's pronounced Job. Job chapter 22. Let's see if we can get past point one. Okay, Taylor would help me if you didn't draw too strongly now as I do the first part of the sermon. Maybe I can get past it to point two. Job chapter 22 and verse 21. Job, we're talking about this title here today. We're going to see some things. Now, is that good English? <laughs> Even the phrase good English is not good English. Is that Queen's English? No. But that's how I heard it in my heart. We're going to see some things. So I'm just going to add the non-English, bad English, whatever you want to call it, the gonna. We're going to see some things. And uh, I'm, I'm trusting the Lord will let me get past the first point because he held me on that in the previous service. But there's some stuff that has to be said. So I hope the 10 o'clock crowd is going to watch this as well. Now, Job 22, 21. Thank you, Lord, for the anointing. It makes it easy for them to listen, easy to understand, and easy for me to deliver. And they will be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name. Acquaint now thyself with him and be at peace. Thereby good shall come unto thee. Receive, I pray thee, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. The word acquaint in Hebrew language, the original language, doesn't mean just the way we use it in English, acquaint meaning I'm acquainted with Corinne. That means I know a little bit about her. You know, I've met her. I, I, she's an acquaintance. An acquaintance isn't even a close friend. Acquaint, acquaint has a very shallow connotation in English. But this, this is not the best English translation of the word in Hebrew because this word in Hebrew does not mean acquaint. It means to know intimately and not just to know but to agree with in order to have the advantage. That's what it means in Hebrew. To know and agree with in order to have advantage. Why would you have an advantage? If you know God and you agree with God, you've automatically got an advantage because he's going to help you on some stuff. And the world doesn't have God helping them. So they don't have an advantage. But when God is in our corner helping us supernaturally, we have a tremendous advantage over the world. Praise God. Now, what, now I may know Wayne, but I may not agree with Wayne on everything. Right? In fact, I venture to say that Wayne and Lorraine know each other. And love each other with a deep love. I've observed them. They've, I've only seen them pump each other maybe 80 or 90 times. It's not much. I mean, she's only broken his arm 14 times. It's not much. That's why he wears long sleeves when he comes to church. You can't see the bruises. Wayne and Lorraine know each other, but they don't always agree. I know my wife. She said, that's right. I know my wife very well. I love her with all my heart, but that doesn't all mean that oh, I always agree with her. In other words, you can know God and not agree with him. You can love God and not agree with him. I know Christians that love God with all their heart. They'd actually die. They'd become a martyr if they needed to. But they are vehemently against his word when it says the blessing of Abraham is on the believer who's received the promise of the spirit through faith. And the blessing of Abraham makes you rich and adds no sorrow with it. They are against that. They don't agree with God at all that he'll heal you every time. They think he does it by special case. They don't agree with 3 John 2 at all. I wish above all things for you to prosper and be now. They preach, I wish above all things for you to be broke and sick. So they love God with all their heart or hands, but they don't agree with him. You can love God and not agree with him. But let me give you some, a clue here. The closer you get to God, the more intimately you know God, the more you will agree with God. You'll get to the point where everything God says, you just agree with. You don't argue. It don't matter that you can figure it out in your mind or not. You just agree. 
That's one way that you know if you're closer to God. Do you agree with what he says? Because if his word says it and you've got revelation into that word, just agree with him. God is saying here, if you'll agree, acquaint means to know in order to, and agree to have an advantage. If you'll agree, then what will happen? You'll be at peace, thereby good will come unto you. Receive, I pray, the law from his mouth and lay up his words in your heart. When God speaks to you through the general scriptures or personally to you about your future, the best thing you can do is simply agree with him. How do you agree with him? Store up, lay up, up. And then he says lay up like stacking pallets. Lay up in your heart what he said to you. Now what does Proverbs say? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you're going to lay up in your heart his words, not just the general word, but his specific word to your heart about your life and your future. If you lay up that in your heart, what happens? You automatically begin to confess it. You begin to speak out what you're saying, what you're believing. So what is really God saying in verse 21 and 22? I want you to have the good life. I'm not going to quote it like I did in the first service, but I went to Ephesians 2.10 in the Amplified, if you're writing notes, and it says that he's made paths ahead of time for us to walk in those paths, and those paths are for us to have a good life. So God wants you to have a good life. He prepared a path that was good. Then 1 Corinthians 2, which I won't read either, but I went there in the first service, 2 verse 9 says, your eyes not seen, ears not heard, neither is that in your heart. All the good things that God has prepared for those that love him. Not bad things because God's a good God. So if he's prepared things, 1 Corinthians 2, 9, that you don't even know about yet. And Ephesians 2, 10 says that what he prepared is a good life. Now you see what this verse says. Acquaint or agree with God that you'll have peace and good shall come unto thee. How are you going to walk the good life? By agreeing. How do you agree? Lay them up in your heart and start to say out of your mouth that you agree with God about X, Y, or Z. I'm not going to spend time like I did in the first service. Watch it because there were nuggets that I don't have time to get into this, this afternoon. But I told you the story again about how God told me. My wife had been believing and God told me it's time to get a house. And I do the budget and I know the numbers and I know the bookkeeping and she don't know nothing. I keep trying to tell her, but she won't listen. I have to give her presentations in January with charts and pie charts and graphs. I do. I make her, I, I make her sit there, Cicero. I say, you're not having your Thai food until you listen to me. Because the husband and wife should know what their budget is. But she don't know the budget. She don't like that. She just floats around. And I'm the one on the calculator all the time. And so I have to make her sit there and say, woman, you're not eating until you listen to me. And I show her the graphs and the pie charts and the columns. And I say, this is where we're at financially. And she says, thank you, honey. Let me eat now. Let me just believe God. And you just worry about the bills. I'll just believe God. So it's very easy for Jennifer to believe for the new house because she don't know what money we got or what money we don't got. And it's much harder for me to believe God for the house because I know exactly that it's impossible. It's not possible. There's just no, there's just not Merry Christmas. It's not possible. So she's e it's easier for people like that to believe because they don't, have, they don't have the hindrance of the details. But somebody has to run the details in a home. If you don't, you'll go in debt. So God got it over to her easier, but I was stubborn. And it wasn't until July on the mission trip in the hotel room in Brazil. And God said, your wife's in agreement. I'm in agreement. You're not. I said, about what? He said, your house. I said, yeah, we'll do that next April. I didn't know that COVID would be here next April, but God did. He said, no, it's going to be this year. I said, but Lord, you know, that's not possible. You know, she don't know because she don't have the graphs, but I got the charts. I got the number crunching down pat. I know it's impossible. And he said to me, son, just, he gave me the scripture that I'm reading to you. And he said, if you just agree, 
Don't worry about how I'm going to do it. Don't figure out the details. It's so hard for an analytical, uh, uh, detail-oriented person. It's, this is harder for people wired like me than people wired like my wife because she's not as detail-oriented and as analytical. And maybe you're like her and maybe you're like me. I don't know. But either way, you've got to shut your mind down. You've got to force yourself not to try to figure out how it's going to happen, when it's going to happen. But if God said it to you in the scriptures, which everybody can claim, or if he said it personally and specifically to you as a word for your future, you have a right and you are expected and obligated by God to not figure it out, to not tell him why it can't happen, to not tell Tell him why it's impossible to not let your mind rob you of that blessing, but simply to say, I agree. And your mind will fight you while you're saying it. You say, shut up. I'm not going with mental assent or my understanding of the matter. I'm going with my spirit. And God told me in my spirit that it will happen. And I don't know how or how or when or where, but it will come to pass. I agree. Get Lay them up in your heart and your mouth will speak. Agree? Why? I learned with that house, as soon as I agreed, peace came. While I was trying to figure it out, I had no peace. But the Bible says, acquaint now now thyself with him and be at peace. As soon as I agreed, the word acquaint in other translations says agree. As soon as I said, Father, remember remember little little 14-year-old Mary? Angel Gabriel says, you're going to have a baby and you've never had sex with a man? How's that going to happen? Has it ever happened in human history? Before or since? She's thinking to herself, I'm losing my mind. But she knows an angel said that to her. That she'd bear the Christ child. (laughs) The seed of David. Talk about impossible. It's not just, it's medically impossible. It has never happened before. What did Mary, I believe God picked Mary, not just because she was the right seed line and all that stuff. But I believe because she, God knew that young 14-year-old girl was not going to argue. She was just going to say, be it unto me according to thy word. What does that mean? Simple vernacular. I agree. That's all he's looking. Guys, if you catch this, it'll change your life. Don't try to figure out how what he's promised you is going to happen. Just hear what he says and say, Father, I choose to agree. I build it up in my heart and out of my heart comes my words. Out of the abundance comes my words and my heart agrees with my mouth. And I'm saying it in faith because I'm not saying it out of my mind. I'm saying it out of my heart. So that's where faith is. So I'm telling you faith words agree with you, Father. I don't know how and I don't know when, but I agree what you say will come to pass. Be it unto me according to thy word. And I stood there. I, I remember that hotel. You remember that hotel, Taylor, right? You stayed with me. And, I, and there was that little, that, you know, they had like, not carpet. It was like hard floor. I remember because it was cold and my feet were cold. And I remember walking on that cold floor and I lifted up my hands and I said, Father, be it unto me according to thy word. I quoted Mary. I said, Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. I agree with you. I have no idea how, and I have no idea how you're going to do this because, Lord, you know that I know the budget. She don't know the budget, but I do, and this is not possible what you're saying. But I agree. Now, what did the Bible say? As soon as I agreed, Lorraine, I felt a sense of divine peace. But Hebrews 4 calls it the rest of faith. There's a knowing and a sense of peace and confidence when you're in faith that you're not striving. And you're not, now, you have to do natural steps as he prompts you. 
I couldn't just sit there and go, house come, house come. I don't know why the house ain't coming. I don't know why. I had to go and get an agent. I had to go get a mortgage broker. I had to fill out forms. I had to use my faith. I had to go and look at properties. I had to advertise my property. There are natural steps to take, but every step was instructed by the Spirit, and He didn't overwhelm me with too much. He just gave me one at a time, and my job was just to step out by faith with actions, corresponding actions, and do that, because every one of those were a step of faith. But it didn't start with action. It started with words. It started with me saying, Father, from my heart, I agree with you. I don't know how you're going to do it, but I take all that stuff and I, I, I refuse to let my mind rob me of the blessing. Your mind will rob you of the blessing. Your heart won't, but your mind will. If you let your mind run, run free, you will not be blessed. That's some of the reasons some of you don't have the blessing that God's promised you because you keep analyzing it. And because you can't figure it out, you tell God that it's not possible and he was going to do a miracle for you, but you just stopped the miracle flow because you told him it was impossible. Because you won't let your mind go quiet. You're trying to figure out everything yourself. Quit that nonsense. If God told you and you know it was God and not the pizza you ate last night, but it was God that promised you something and you know you're in the timing because that's very important. God told me the time for the new house is now before the end of the year. That was in July 23rd or whatever it was. So it was less than six months. I didn't know when in that six months. It turned out to be October 24th, but I didn't know when. He just said it's going to be in this six-month period, and it's time now. So I know I'm in the right timing, and I know I'm, I'm doing the right thing. It is the will of God for a new house. Amen. That's all I need to know. Is this the right time, and is this what you want? My, then my job is done. All I do is I agree. Yeah. And then I act out, little step at a time, being led by the Spirit, led with the, what real estate agent to get, led with what mortgage broker, led with the timing, led with this, led with how I sign the forms, what I agree to, what I don't agree to. You got to be led all the way along. But if you'll just follow the promptings and be led and do the actions, but all along you're not trying to figure it out. You have to do natural steps, so you got to get your brain involved to some measure. But in terms of the bigger picture, you don't know how it's going to happen because it's impossible. But you just keep saying, I agree. I agree. It will come to pass. I agree. And that's what I did. I just said, I agree. And I'm telling you, I don't have time to go into all the details, but God did three major miracles back to back for us. And my kiddos had said, Daddy, we want a fort. I said, oh, dear God, all I have is faith for a house. I don't have no faith for no fort. The other one said, I want, a, I want a basketball net. I said, well, we'll figure out that later. And I'd ask God for some things. And I, I, just, I just needed to believe God for a house. Like Kenneth Hagin, his wife said, I want new curtains, Aretha. Mom Hagen. And she said, honey, he said, honey, if you want new curtains, you believe them for yourself. Because if I believe for curtains, everything else is going to fall down. Yeah. In other words, I got my faith on so many things. If I add curtains to this, it's going to break. Yeah. And that was Kenneth E. Hagen. Yeah. How much more Craig A. Field, who's a little punk compared to him. If he had a limit to his faith, we all have a limit. Our faith is not inexhaustible. It has to be used and it has to be rebuilt every day. And I'm just believing for the house. I can't believe for all those other things. But you know what I said when my little kid said that? I could have said, we're not having that. What do you think? I'm made of money. What do you think? Money grows on trees. That's what a lot of parents say. I just said, Caleb, you want to believe? You want that, honey? Believe God for it. He's only seven. Well, I just said, believe God for it. Figure it out. Couldn't call her older. They're more responsible. You want a basketball net? Believe God. I said, well, then don't come talk to me because if I try to believe for a basketball net on top of everything, the whole thing's going to fall down. I'm just trying to believe for a house, buddy. If you want the basketball net, believe God. I don't know if they believe God or not, but all I know is that when God led us to that house and God spoke to my wife and we knew it was the house, we knew that we knew, we knew that was the first house we walked in. That's how, that's how specific God is. He didn't even want us to waste our time. Forget about due diligence. 
When you can be led by the Spirit, you don't even need due diligence. But I'm so mental, I said, well, we can't make a decision on the first house. I still wanted to look at seven more houses. And every time I walked in the house, I heard the Holy Ghost say, what are you doing, stupid? I already showed you. You don't need due diligence if I showed you. So we had seven on the roster. We looked at three more. And then I said, forget this nonsense. Why am I looking at other houses when I've got the word of the Lord? And so he did miracle after miracle. And you know what? When we signed it and those three miracles happened and we took possession of it, they had built a professional with its own foundation, its own fake grass, $22,000 fort for their two children. They used that fort twice because they lived in Arizona. And my little Quinn and my little Caleb and Luke go in there. They have their little meetings. They have a special place for their stuffy little animals. God heard their prayer. That former couple knew a person that knew the rapper Drake. I'm not promoting him. I'm just saying I've heard the name. And he, li- he likes basketball. And they were at his house for some kind of get together. And he was talking about his amazing basketball net on his driveway. So they said, who put that basketball? He gave them the card. And that couple called that man who put in Drake's basketball net and said, come up to Aaron and put our basketball net in. And they paid $12,000 for a basketball net. Professionally, you know, sunk down foundations down into the ground. I'm telling you, the best basketball net money could buy. Do you think I had faith for that, Lorna? I was just trying to believe for a house. But God heard Quinn and Cole. They say, Father, we're asking you for a basketball. They didn't even say the best kind of basketball net. They just, they meant the $600 kind you put sandbags on. And God gave them the best basketball net money can buy. And I walked in that, they, they walked, I didn't tell them. I said, boys, do you notice anything? And they said, are you kidding me? And they went up there. We were playing basketball last week. Of course, I whipped them. I don't, I don't take it nice on those kids. I, I'm not going to let them win, brother. I just, I, just, I just take them down to Chinatown. I show them the sights. You're going to go against me in basketball, you're going down. You want to try it? I'll, I'll take you down too, brother. I got a good basketball net. Come on up. We'll, we'll, we'll play a game of 21. Praise God. By humbling my sons. Taylor, you want a piece of meat? Just come on up to Aaron. and I'll show you how to play basketball. Amen. Anybody else want a piece of me? I can see some of you. I don't know if you're my friend or my enemy this morning. My point is, is that if God has promised you something, even though your mind will fight you tooth, nail, and claw, that it's not possible. That's just you. The devil on top of that will be telling you it's not possible. And every loser out there, if you open your mouth too much and don't tell everybody what you're believing for. But if you tell too many people, they'll all be a choir in your ears telling you how impossible it is. That's why Paul said, I confer not with flesh and blood. Some things you better just keep quiet because you don't need anybody else's opinion when you're just holding on to your faith in God. But if you will just stop trying to figure it out and just say, Father, I agree with what you said. Now, remember, remember, he said, you want to walk in good? Good will come unto you. You want to walk the good life? You want the Ephesians 2.10 path of goodness? Then just agree. And as soon as I agreed, a peace came. I was in the rest of faith for that entire process. I didn't know how he was going to do it. I just knew he was going to do it. When we had to sell our home in four days and the two other homes in our street hadn't sold in a month and a half and we had four days, we had to sell it and everything be done, including all that. I forget the terms now. It's been a few months, but like they have to do inspections. There's all these clauses that you have to, you know, all the conditions. That's what it's called. All the conditions had to, had to sell with the conditions all released in four days. It didn't seem possible. And I kept saying, Father, I agree. I don't know how you're going to do it. I personally don't care. Angels get to moving, boys. God spoke to me. 
I agree. My wife and I would hold hands and say, we agree. Glory to God. It will all come to pass. You know that house sold in 47 hours and all the conditions were released before the time frame of the, of the four day period. And both the mortgage broker and the real estate agent said in 25 years, I've never seen this happen. 25 years. They had never seen it happen that fast for all the conditions to be released and the house itself, money to change hands, everything done, sealed, signed, complete. We were on our way to the airport to leave for Russia. The deadline was 5 p.m. The plane left at 7 p.m. I'm on my way to the airport, and the agent called me and said, Sir, congratulations, it's all done. I said, it is all done, like no fine print, like you haven't forgotten and left something out. He said, everything is done. Get on the plane. The property is yours. One hour before, two hours before the deadline, brother. And it was impossible. Why? I didn't have to figure it out, Mary Chris. My job is not to figure it out. I'm not made to figure things out that complex. I'm not smart enough. And don't think you are either. My job was to agree. Father, I agree. Let it be done according to thy word unto thy servant. If you will agree, peace will come. Amen? And you'll walk the good life. How do you agree? Lay it up in your heart and start to say. It doesn't start with action. It starts with words. Actions follow. Now, what does the next verse say? You can't just agree and live like the devil. You're going to live right before God. If you know to tithe, tithe. If you know to walk in love, walk in love. If you don't know to tithe, well, you'll figure it out. But if you don't, then I guess you get a pass. But if you're in this church, you know to do it. He doesn't expect you to live like a sinner while you're agreeing with him for a miracle. So look at the next verse. If thou return to the Almighty, thou shalt be built up. Thou shalt put away iniquity far from thy tabernacles. In other words, it's fine to agree. It's fine to confess. You're going to live the good life. But one of the conditions is live right. If you're not perfect, but live the best you can with the knowledge of the word that you have. Don't talk about people. Walk in love. Don't steal from God or from people. Have integrity. Have a brightness of heart. Love righteousness and hate lawlessness. And you'll be anointed with the oil of gladness above even your fellows. Praise God. And then he promises. Now he tells you what he's going to do. And of course, this applies to every area. You're believing for a baby? It applies to you. You're believing for children to come become saved? It applies to that. You're believing for some favor in a deal? It applies to that. It's not just money or inanimate objects. But now God specifies, you do this stuff. You agree with me and you speak right. Because it's laid up in your heart, you're speaking right. I want you to have the good life. You're going to have peace, but I'm going to give you a good life. Make sure you live right. Now he tells us he's going to bless us, verse 24, and you will lay up gold as though it were dust. You know what dust is? You don't want dust. But if gold is like dust, I'll take as many dust bunnies as I can find, Sharon. <laughs> if they're gold dust bunnies. You'll lay up the gold as the dust and the gold of Ophar, which is the most fine gold at that time in history. It was very precious, fine, pure gold, gold of Ophar, as the stones of the brook. In other words, I'm going to bless you financially. I'm going to bless you in your wealth. Now, you say, well, don't get religious on me. I didn't write this. God wrote this. So God is saying the good life includes many categories, but he's emphasizing the primary category, although it's not the only one. Healing is another category. Favor is another category. Your body producing babies is another category. Your children serving God is another category. There are a lot of categories. Relations, you know, having interpersonal relationships that are strong is another category. There's a lot of categories, but he specifies the financial category. He says, I'm going to bless you with gold. It's going to be like the stones of the brook. Now watch verse 25. Yea, the Almighty shall be your defense. There's protection included. And you will have plenty. Didn't say short, shortage. It says plenty of silver. So what is God saying? You live right. You agree with me and speak right. 
You with me? I'm going to give you the good life. Now live right and speak right, but I'm going to give you the good life and I'm going to specially bless you financially. I'm going to bless you with gold and silver and I'm going to protect you. See, part of the good life is protection, is defense. Amen. Where people accuse you falsely or people want to physically hurt you and there is safety and protection. That's part of the defense blessing of the father that walked that ha- that is on the righteous. Are you with me? Amen. Listen to the earlier service because I expound more, but I got to move on. If you want things from God and he tells you that it's yours, you can rob yourself. Don't blame the devil. You're your own worst enemy. You can rob yourself. The devil don't even need to get involved half the time with most Christians. He just lets their big mouth flap away. The devil doesn't need to be against most of you because you'll ruin it yourself. Okay? You can undo the blessing of God with your words. If you keep your words right, yeah, you'll probably have a little bit of the devil attacking you. Because now he knows it's real. Because now your words are right. But you can undo, you can talk yourself out of God's promises just by not agreeing with him. Brother and sister, don't try to figure it out. You're not built to figure it out. Your job is to agree. Let God do the hard part. Let him do the miracle. Let him work out the details. You walk through the natural steps as he leads you. You don't just sit on your couch and expect it to fall like a ripe apple off a tree. You have to do certain things and apply yourself. But he'll lead you as as every step of application. Your job, other than being led and obeying, is just to agree. And how do you agree? With your words. How do you do it? I said it in that hotel room and I said it every day after that. Father, I don't know how you're going to do it, but I agree. I want you to know I agree with you. It is my time for a house. I call Call it in and I say, house, you're mine. Father, I now call those things that be not as though they already are. Thank you for my new home. Amen. Thank you for my new home. I'd say, hey, Jenny, praise God, we got a new home. Amen. Did we have a new home? Not in the natural, but we had taken it in the, in the act of faith. See, our hand of faith had reached out, laid a hold of it and pulled it toward us. We're pulling it every time we say, Father, thank you. Honey, praise God, we got our new home. Yeah, amen, honey, we got our new home. We don't even know the house. Nothing's happened yet, but we're still, we're starting to say it. We got our new home. Because I agree with God. He said it's time before the end of the year. And oh, how he blessed us. And how my children are thrilled. And even the dog is thrilled. He doesn't like the coyotes, but he likes to run. And we got a lot of property for him to run on now. I got my John Deere. I was out on it yesterday praising the Lord. Hallelujah. We're all happy. God wants you happy. Why? It's part of my good life. You may not like to live in Aaron. In fact, I know Lorraine doesn't want to live in Aaron. She told me even if God gave her a house, she'd give it back. She don't want to live in Aaron, and I don't blame her. It's not for everybody. She's got to be where God wants her. You've got to be where God wants you. I'm just saying what God wanted for us, hand-tailored house. Even my coffee table, which is $15,000, and I'm not saying that to brag. I'm saying that because I don't know what kind of weirdo would pay $15,000 for, for not a coffee table, a, a dining room table. I don't know what kind of people these are. I mean, they're rich, but I know there's a limit even then. How, what you're going to pay money for is ridiculous. But they found wood from an old church floor in Caledon. 1850, this thick, solid oak. And the preacher would stand on it to preach. And that lady, she, she, she's new age. <laughs> she, don't, she don't even believe in Jesus. <laughs> she got crystals and woo-woo sticks. She didn't believe in energy forces and all that nonsense. But she just said, I had this overwhelming feeling to buy that table. That was the Holy Ghost. (laughs) God was telling her, God was telling her, you buy that table. My boy is in need of it. It ain't for you. Your money going to buy it for Craig. (laughs) I'm 
God will lay up the riches of the heathen and give it to you if you'll just trust him. Trust him. Now where the preacher stood to preach, I sit and eat. <laughs> I can't believe it. And then they, the kitchen table is made of the same wood. That's $10,000. $32,000 of two tables. And I sit at it every day and I go, Lord, you know, not in a million years would I pay this much money. I don't care if it's from a church. I don't care if it's from the Holy Sepulcher. I wouldn't pay that money. But you know that I wouldn't pay that money and you touched some rich person because they were willing. And now I get to enjoy it. He gives me richly. The Bible says, 2 Timothy 6, all, 1 Timothy 6, all things to enjoy. And they even had a picture of two little doves right by the table. I mean, I'm telling you, there's a Holy Ghost on the wall. Well, the Holy Ghost isn't a dove, but remember, he descended in the form of a dove. I just sit there sometimes and eat my Cheerios, and I'm looking at the table, and I'm looking at the dove, and I just got saying, <laughs> The path of the righteous grows brighter and brighter. And if God don't love me, not one lick more than you and my office and pastorship has got nothing to do with this. I am the same person as you. The anointing is on me to preach. The anointing is not on me to live. When I walk out and that anointing lifts off me, I'm just like you. I've got bigger problems because people hate me more than they hate you. I'm a bigger target and I still got to use my faith. I got to use my faith for daily living, for health, for finances, for everything, just like you. The only time the anointing's on me is when I preach. But other than that, I'm just like you. So don't look at me and say, it's special for him, but it can't work for me. Oh no, you're wrong. Faith is the same. Faith works for everyone the same. If you'll just, it's so easy, I wish you'd get it. If you just agree and stop trying to figure it out. Just agree with God. Let him figure it out and watch the miracles that he does for you. My God, you know how you live your life? Pray in the Holy Ghost a lot. When God speaks to you because you pray a lot and he says, I want to bless you with this, stop thinking how it's going to happen and just immediately go, amen, I agree. I have no idea how you're going to do it, but I won't let that rob me. I agree. With my heart, I agree. And the peace will come, and I'm going to walk out the steps. I don't care how long it takes. It will surely come to pass. And you just keep walking, and you just keep praising, and you just keep calling it, and you just keep agreeing. And I'm telling you, he'll do a miracle. And if that's not enough, he'll do another miracle. And if he ha doesn't have it, he'll create it. But he will make sure what he said will come to pass. Hallelujah. My God. So my point to you is this. Agree. We're agreeing. Now, this is my, I've told you personal stuff, but I now want to transition to the corporate, what's happening corporately. We need to agree. I had to agree personally. Okay, you have to agree personally. But I'm talking about corporate promise of life church. Okay, I've fed you a little bit now how you live, but now I also want you to live for the church. Agree corporately. What has God said? And this is what I want to share. This is the main thing I want to share with you. Quickly to Joel 2 and verse 21. Joel, the book of Joel, chapter 2. Okay? It's in the Minor Prophets by Hosea. Joel chapter 2 and verse 21. During COVID, praise God. Now, I know some of you think that Sunday afternoon, Wednesday night, Friday night are all, all now like Wednesday night services. No, they ain't. This is Sunday morning, my brother. Wednesday night is Sunday morning. Friday night is Sunday morning. Sunday morning, I preach long. Sunday morning, we go 10 to 12, 12.30. So just get ready. It's 1 to 3, 3.30. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Hallelujah. Fr Wednesday night, I know they all were goggle-eyed. 
But it's 7.30 to 9.30 to 10. Glory. Now, we didn't go that long. Praise God. But Friday night we did because the anointing came on me different. And we went 7.30 to 10.30. I know, no, 10 o'clock. 10 o'clock. Two and a half hours to the dot. See, that's our maximum, brother. See, we've limited God. You can only move in two and a half hours. But he's honoring it. Because he knows the people need to renew their mind. So two and a half hours, two to two and a half hours, that's our service. So just relax. If you're going to set your, 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 your oven, just set it right. So you don't have a burnt offering when you get home. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. The Lord is with us, Brother Cyril. What are we going to do? We're going to agree. When he promises you something, don't try to argue, just agree. You'll get a lot more in life if you disagree with him. He's a lot smarter than you and he's a lot bigger than you and he knows exactly a thousand ways to get it to you. All he needs is your agreement. He doesn't need your analyzation. He needs your agreement. He doesn't need it from your mind. He needs it from your heart. He needs it with your mouth. And then he needs you to live right so he can bring it to pass. Remember, what does Matthew 6, say? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. You studied in the Greek, it means and be in right standing with him, not just as a self-saved person, but in your beyond your say, like we're all saved, but you can be saved and still live like the devil. Be continue to be right with him. In other words, if you live right and you seek him, he's going to make all these things added unto you. So what does this say? Live right, speak right, and just agree with me and I'll give you the good life. Amen. Praise God. Every Christian should be living the good life. Hallelujah. Now, Joel chapter 2, when I was on the COVID, uh, you know, when all your pictures were up here, some of you are looking for you where your picture was and you're not there. It's freaking me out, Lorraine. You're sitting where Taylor's picture was. You shouldn't be there. Taylor should be there. But you all had your beautiful pictures up. But during that time of live stream only, the word of the Lord came to me and I shared this scripture, Joel 2.21. Do you remember? Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice. For the Lord will do great things. Be glad and don't fear. In other words, don't be afraid. Laugh, dance, sing, shout, and rejoice. I'm about, will do his future. I'm about to do great things. And that came to me. That's not just a scripture. That was God speaking a scripture to me with revelation knowledge. And he was giving me a specific word for me to stand on. And what he was saying is, son, I'm about to do great things at Promise of Life. Whatever you've seen in the zigzag season is nothing compared to what's coming. I'm about to do great things. Now, what is my job, Lorraine? My job is to agree. I may not see the great things right now. I may not know how he's going to do the great things. I know some of what the great things are and there's some I don't know. But he'll reveal it at the right time. I know there's greater healings coming. Because he told me that. He said, you're going to see healings on a stronger, higher order. People that have been sick, they're going to get healed faster. And they're going to get healed more like full healings faster. Some of them instant, not all of them. But we're going to see healings on a stronger order. That's part of the great things that are coming. We're going to see miracles. Not just miracles of healing, or we'll see those too, but miracles of finances and other kinds of miracles. We're going to see it because he told me it's time for miracles. So those are, those are some of the great things. We're going to see the church grow. We're going to see the church grow so that when COVID is over, we still have to go to two services. He's just getting us, he's just getting us, he's massaging us, Wayne. He's saying, I know you have to because of the government, but don't worry, you're going to need it anyway. 
Because right now we can only fit 400 by law. So unless we shrink the church, we have to go to two services when COVID is over anyway. So he's preparing us for that. That's part of the great things. International ministry and traveling and preaching and some of you coming with me and getting the gospel out and seeing precious people raised from the dead and precious people that need the gospel and, and hungry people saved by God's power. That's part of the great things. People in our church getting homes, paying off homes, getting married, having babies that want babies, things that they need, starting businesses, businesses prospering beyond their wildest dreams. That's part of the great things. You just take your pick. The great things includes you. When he said to me for the church, who's the church? Is the church this wall? This is a building. We can meet in the field and we'll still be Promise of Life Church. We can meet in the gutter and we're still Promise of Life Church. It doesn't matter the building. It matters the people. The people are the church. You are the church. So if he said to Promise of Life Church, rejoice and don't be afraid. I'm about to do great things. That means he's going to do great things while we meet corporately. He's going to do great things privately in your life. He's going to do great things privately in my life. We are all recipients of the greatness that is coming. But if you just go, well, I've heard that before. You're, you're, you will not have great things. You won't. Well, I've heard that before. These preachers, they're always trying to bait us. Put out a carrot. Something great's going to happen. And then they pull it away. Well, it wasn't time yet. But just keep coming. Something great's going to happen. Pull it away. It, you, were, you were full of sin. Something great's going to happen. Pull it away. Some people, you, you think that way, you won't have the great thing happen to you. But if you have a pure and honest heart and say, Father, my pastor who you put me under said by unction of the Holy Ghost that great things are about to happen. I qualify because I'm part of that church. So I'm holding you to your word and I agree with you out of my heart, with my mouth, and I start to say my agreement. Father, I call that the great things are happening to me. They're happening to my children. They're happening to my finances. They're happening to my body. They're happening to my business. They're happening to the place I work for. They're happening. They're happening. They're happening in the church house, in the services. They're happening corporately and they're happening privately. I agree that great things are about to happen. My God, if you'll start doing that, not only will it happen in the church building and the church service, it'll happen for you. And this is what I felt the Holy Ghost prompt me. Son, tell them to agree with me. And tell them to agree with what I've recently said. Well, all I could get out was the first part. Tell them to agree with me in service for 10 a.m. Now I'm taking it a bit further to tell you what are we agreeing with? What he has recently said. And he said during COVID, don't be afraid, rejoice. I'm about to do great things. Praise God. Let me tell you another thing that he recently said. Last Sunday, 10 a.m., I'm preaching about Gehazi. Just because you're in church and around the anointing don't mean that you're going to make it. You've got to guard your heart and obey God. You've got to live right and stay close to your man of God and don't steal money. Money will uproot you faster than anything else. Getting offended over tithing, getting offended over this. You better keep a good heart. Casey didn't. But then during the second service, remember God said to me, you'll preach more or less the same, but there'll be more revelation added on the second service. Remember that? Some of you don't, some of you do. On the second service, I'm in worship and I heard the Holy Ghost say, this is just live in the service, Taylor, while you're singing. How much of a sermon can you make while he's singing? But I heard him say, open up your Bible. So I opened up my Bible while he's singing, and he said, read the next chapter. So I read the next chapter, and it's about the axe head floating. So I'm looking for some revelation about an axe head, and that's not what God was trying to get over to me. He said, son, where was he? I said, well, the Bible says he went to the school of the prophets. 
He was the president of the school of the prophets. Did you know that? He had his own school, his own university called the school of the prophets. Elisha did. And they trained ministers that had a call on their life. He went there. I didn't quite figure out what God was saying. And then the Lord said to me, what had, I mean, I'm so slow sometimes there, but he said to me, what had just happened? The previous chapter that I just preached, Gehazi went white as snow because he stole the money. And he went out from the presence of Elisha and his client clave unto him and to his seed forever. What does that mean? Elisha never had an assistant anymore. Elisha never had a protege anymore. Gehazi was a called fivefold, what we would call fivefold minister. Then they only had one fold. Do you understand? Yeah. They didn't have pastors, not the same. They had priests, but you were either prophet, priest, or king. That's it. So in the ministry, unless you were a priest from the tribe of Levi, you didn't qualify. Do you understand? Unless you were a king that God assigned to you, you didn't qualify. So if you were in the ministry, you had to be a prophet. That's why there was a school of the prophets, because it was the only other office that operated in the Old Testament. So do you understand that he had, Gehazi was a minister in training to take the double portion anointing from Elisha? What an opportunity. And Elisha took the double portion from Elijah because he kept his heart right. But Gehazi didn't keep his heart right. He failed and he became a leper. Now he's just lost his assistant. Remember, Elijah trained Elisha. Theologians tell us for between seven and eight years, Elisha made his food, washed his clothes, poured water on his hands. Second Kings 3 says that he poured water. He did menial tasks for the prophet. So anybody that is in ministry, just get prepared for menial tasks because that is God's way to greatness. Do you understand? I've done, I did 17 years of preparation before I entered into my first phase of my real ministry. 17 years working for other pastors. 17 years traveling on the road, preaching, people mis mistreating me, not giving me offerings, lying about me. Hard, hard going. But it was a preparation time. And then when I passed God's test, he says, now it's time. I, now I can trust you. I see that you've got some metal that can't be bent because of difficult circumstances. So for all those years, he served Elijah, menial tasks. He wasn't preaching. He wasn't praying. He was, I'm sure, praying, but he wasn't in the limelight. He was serving, washing, cleaning, carrying his baggage. Do you understand? Praise God. <laughs> and he's there while they say, hey, Baldy, remember those kids? You better beat your kids or God will get them. <laughs> Not in the New Testament, but in the Old Testament, you better watch it, man. God will get those kids. These stupid snot-nosed kids are calling the prophet Elijah Baldy. Come on up. No, no, uh, Elisha. Elisha, not Elijah, right? Elisha was bald. And they were saying, go on up, Baldy. Go on up, Baldy. Because Elijah, who was hairy, the Bible says that's why John the Baptist, he, had, he wore camel's hair because even his appearance looked like Elijah. He was hairy and Elijah was hairy. So God likes bald people and he likes hairy people. That's what you take away from the service today. If you're bald or if you're hairy, God don't mind. Elijah was hairy and Elisha was baldy. And the kids were mocking him. Go on up. They were saying, you know how he went up to heaven in the world? Go on up, Baldy. Go on up, Baldy. And the man of God got ticked off, cursed them, and two she-bears came out and ripped them to shreds. How many kids? 32 kids? That's a whole youth group. Was it 32? Something like that. How many? 42? Do I hear 52? <laughs> Do I hear 62? There was a lot of kids, a whole youth group. 
a whole youth group got fed to the, to the she-bears. Are you with me? So Elisha knew how to watch his man of God and had been submissive and had passed tests. Are you with me? Praise God. Remember when Elijah was there and the guy comes and he doesn't show respect? <laughs> Elijah says, Father, burn him. And the Bible says fire came out of heaven and consumed 50 men. Burned them alive. You don't mess with it. That's what I'm saying. See, Elisha was watching that. He says, now watch what happens to these people when they disrespect. I can call and God kill them. <laughs> so when the little kids come, <laughs> he says, I just do what my daddy taught me. She bears come and kills them. I thank God we're in the New Testament, my God. Because if, if I was operating under the Old Testament, there will be a lot of people dead. Because a lot of people are rock, mock me, man. I'd take care of them right now in Jesus' name. But I'm not in the Old Testament. I'm in the dispensation of grace. But my point is, Elisha watched daddy. And he imitated him. He watched how daddy talked about the widow woman. And then when the widow woman, he told her how the other widow woman acted to his daddy. And when that widow woman acted the same way, she got her brand new son and she got her son raised from the dead. He watched how he showed judgment on disrespectful people. And then when the kids were disrespectful, he put judgment on them. He watched. I'm trying to show you something. He watched his daddy. So when Gehazi was there, Elisha is saying, pay attention. I've watched daddy. I'm your daddy. You're the next in line for the double portion. If you'll just follow and listen and keep your mouth shut and keep your heart right, your whole future is set. But Gehazi had a problem with money. And Judas is sitting there watching the son of God talk about an education for three and a half years. Watching the dead, watching as many miracles that would fit all the books of the earth. And he had a problem with money. You see how you got to keep your heart right with money? Because money will kill you if your, it will ruin you. So Gehazi was the one in line. He was the one supposed to watch his daddy, Elisha. But Gehazi didn't learn the lessons that Elisha learned. And now listen, Gehazi lost out and he was disconnected and disqualified. Then the Lord said, look at the next chapter. And I looked at the next chapter and he said, where is he? He's at the school of the prophets. Did you not notice son, the chapter before that you just preached? He just lost his protege. The next man in line for the double portion is gone. What do you think he's doing there? He wasn't just there to say hi to them. He was there to select a protege. And if you look, the very next story is he's obviously got a young man who he's now going to mentor. They leave the prophets. The axe head is over now. And they move on. And that's when it tells the story about the king of, of Syria. Remember? And, and, and the, he says things and Elisha knows it and warns the king of Israel. And then they think there's a traitor because everywhere the, the enemy king sets a trap, the Israelites escape because the prophet knows his thoughts. And so what do they do? They send an army and they say, go and catch the prophet because he's ruining all of our battle plans. And so now remember, he's got the new trainee. <laughs> now, Taylor, it says that the new trainee woke up very early in the morning. <laughs> I tell you, I know why he was up. He was praying because he said, my God, my predecessor's a leper. I think he was scared. I mean, they have been weaned on the legend of Elisha. They hear about these stories. He's just a little kid in the school. Wow. And then Elisha shows up. 
Wow. And Elisha looks at him and goes, you're next. What? <laughs> and he's there trembling. I bet he had depends on. He's trembling. He's there. He's been weaned on this legend and the other guy's just become a leper. He must have been scared. Think about it. He knew what happened to Gehazi. He's up early in the morning because he's praying. He's fasting. He said, oh, God, I better get the eggs right. Oh, God, if you pay me, I'm not taking no money. I don't want to do what happened to Elijah. Is he not happening to me? The Bible says he's up early in the morning before Elijah. That's because he's scared. <laughs> he, he wants to do a good job. Then he goes out and he sees this whole army and he comes into Elisha. Alas, my master, what are we going to do? And Elisha says, Father, didn't say father. He said, God, open his eyes that he may see. And God opened the eyes of the young next in line prophet. And he sees the whole company of the army, the enemy army. They are encompassed by an angel army and the angels have horses of fire. Have you ever seen fire become a horse? They are standing in chariots made of fire. Can you believe that, Taylor? Can you imagine seeing a horse made of fire and chariots made of fire and angels standing in the chariots with drawn swords? Here's a little protege up early praying. Let me get the eggs right. Let me wash his clothes right. Oh, God, don't make me a leper. And he comes out and he sees this enemy and he's afraid. And the man of God says, open his eyes that he may see. And he sees, what did he see? He saw the glory of God. He saw into the realm of spirits. He saw the deliverance, the miracle working power of God. He saw it. Now, can I tell you, when I was there in that worship time, all that's happening while he's singing. All happened in less than five minutes. And he said something to me, Taylor, and I'd like to read it to you so that you can catch what I'm saying. He said these words, if Gehazi, right here while I'm singing, if Gehazi had stayed put and guarded his heart, he would have seen some things. That's how he phrased it. He would have seen some things. Uh, we're going to see some things. Amen. But, I but I raised up another young man who saw the glory of God with his man of God. See, Elisha saw the glory of God and the young man saw the glory of God. Now I'm going to say something which I wasn't planning on saying, but I'm going to say it. Just like Gehazi disqualified himself, the other three churches disqualified themselves. If you've been here any length of time, you know what I'm talking about. Because Amy Simple McPherson sent her mantle to Canada. And Willard Pierce and the downtown church of Old Evangel Temple, Angel's Temple North, had a revival, largest revival in Canadian history, 15,000 documented born-again people, plus many, many thousand more healed. Down right there at the lake. <laughs> and then uh, that mantle was passed to a church up further north. And Dr. Dufresne had a vision. My, my Dr. Dufresne had a vision. Saw that hand come down, drop a mantle downtown. He didn't know about anything. He just saw the mantle. He saw a hand pick it up and bring it up and drop it on the church north. Then he saw a hand pick it up and come over on the west end and drop it on the church. And it was in that church that he prophesied, the mantle is on you. Take care of it. Talk about it right. Treat it with respect because it's the mantle for the revival of the greater Toronto area. Are you listening? And that the first church, the second church that lost it, lost it because the next pastor, after the main pastor, he gave it to his son. 
the son went the psychology way. I was there. I was in that church. I was faithful. See, God had me around the mantle from the time I came to Canada. And they went the psychology route and everything became psychological in their sermons. And God said, the mantle can't operate with that nonsense. And he took it off them. And then it went on this other church. Another church grew to over 800 people, lots of money, all the big name ministers. God really blessed that church. And then Dr. Dufresne warned that pastor, don't give it to your son. That's what he said. I'm just being honest with you. He said he'll take it the wrong way. And of course, the man, the pastor got offended. Because a lot of people are more loyal to their physical children than they are the man of God. And so that young man, presently today and then, took it a seeker-sensitive way where they are now embarrassed of the move of the Holy Ghost and they don't want these voices like Pastor Nancy and others to come and they just want nice, sweet, kind, don't offend anybody kind of church. And the mantle can't operate in that environment. It will, it will destroy the environment if it tries to get loose because the mantle can't be contained that way. So God took it off that, man, that church. And then when we were here on June the 28th, 2010, do you remember Lorraine? We had just moved into this building in March and the church chairs were faced in that direction. We only had half. And the main door here was a wall and there were animals on this side of the, because it was a daycare center where there were snakes and there were rabbits and birds and a whole bunch of animals on this side because we hadn't got the whole building yet. And we were on this side away from the zoo <laughs> and we were looking there and the anointing came on Dr. Dufresne and he started to sing, this is the place I have put my spirit upon. This is the place the city is where healing will flow. This is the place where many will go out and preach my word. This is the place I put my anointing on. And he had an open vision, this roof disappeared. He saw God, the Father's hand. He said it was huge. It came out of heaven. He saw it come down and it picked up a blanket looking like thing which God told him was the mantle and it picked it he picked it picked that mantle off that church and he saw this hand above our building let go and the mantle fell like a like a feather down and encompassed this whole church and he and the Lord said the mantle is on them now tell them to be careful and he went in the back room and he yelled at me in a nice way he said looked at me straight in the eye and he said don't mess it up and I started <laughs> because he fire came out of his eyes God's been endeavoring to do something in the city for many years. And he said, preachers keep getting in his way thinking they're smarter than him, thinking they know how to run services better than him. And then he screamed, don't mess it up. The mental is on you and on this congregation. Some will leave, let them go. The ones that are children will come. And I was so overwhelmed. Never in my life have I ever reacted that way. I was so afraid just in every way. Pastor Nancy had to come and put her arm around me and she patted me and she said, calm down, Pastor, calm down. I said, I can't. I was crying. I said, I can't. I didn't ask for this. This is too much pressure. What if I mess it up? He just told me not to mess it up. I'm probably going to mess it up. I mess a lot of things up. She said, you stay humble. She said, you stay connected to us. She said, you stay with the word and spirit and you stay hungry before God and you won't mess it up. There's a destiny on this church. She began to prophesy in the green room. She said, there's a destiny on this church that will affect the entire GTA. She said, many will hate you and many will be jealous of you and many will accuse you. Ignore them. The mental will have its day. I'm telling you, I've, I've held on to those words since 2010. That's 10 years ago, over 10 years ago. So when I say to you that we have to agree when God says, I'm about to do some great things, Joel 2, 21, and then Gehazi gets out of the way. Now the new guy's there, and God said to me, D -d -d you, heard, you heard me read it. While I'm here last Sunday, and, and just before I get up, he said if Gehazi had stayed put and guarded his heart, he would have seen some things. Yeah. 
What's he talking about? Those angels of fire. But I had to raise up another young man. He saw the glory of God with his man of God. I had to raise somebody up and he started to deal with me. He said the others got disqualified. These other churches, they got disqualified. They could have seen some things, but they got like hazy. They got disqualified. So I'm putting it on you. Now, you're the young man. I represent the young man who's waking up early because he's so scared. And believe me, I have woken up many early mornings afraid because the pressure of that can get on you sometimes. Now, God doesn't want us pressured, but he does want us having a holy fear. And I look at my life and try to be circumspect and right before him with my heart and how I'm treating people and how I'm treating other ministers and, and how I'm treating money and how I'm treating the congregation because I know this mantle is not something to be trifled with. You mess it up, God, you will get out. God will remove you like he did Gehazi and he'll raise up another young man. I am disposable just like you. If I get in the way, he'll raise up somebody else. If you get in the way, he'll raise up somebody else. His will is going to be done irregardless of us. It will be done. He wants to use us if we have to keep our hearts right. Gehazi didn't, but I will. Now, Taylor, listen to me because I'm speaking by the Spirit. He said to me in that service there, and I only got a little bit out last Sunday, but it's too important. I had to take my time. He said to me, now, you're the young man that I've raised up in place of the previous ones. And you're with your man of God. That means Jesus, Pastor Nancy, there are a lot of different, I won't get into all of what it means. But basically, he said, you're rightly positioned. He said, now you, listen to me. He said, you can't see what I can see. Just like that young man couldn't see what I could see. But if you will just stay put, son, you're going to see some things. I'm telling you, it was a word from God. Right here during the worship. He could have talked to me at home. He could have talked to me at any time. I don't know why he chose to do it right there, but that's how he chose to do it. And he said, you stay, in other words, Gehazi didn't stay put. And these churches didn't stay put. They didn't guard their heart. They got away from the plan of God. You are the young man, son, and there's some holy fear on you. That's why he was up early. That's why I know that you can argue with me theologically. I know that young man was up early because he was afraid. Holy fear. He didn't want to mess up. I know it because he revealed it to me supernaturally. And he said, you're just like that young man. You've had this holy reverence. I don't want to mess this up. He said, you are the young man. Your church promise of life is the young man. And if you will just continue to do what you've, you've already passed tests, you've passed Ziglag. Now you're into Hebron. You're on your way, son. Just don't quit on me. Don't get away from Pastor Nancy. Stick closer than her, to her than ever before. Stay rightly connected. Stay humble. Stay hungry and stay with the word and the spirit. You're, you're, I've set you here. You're that young man. Now just stay put. Don't be afraid. Now listen, because what the young man couldn't see, God saw. What the young man couldn't see, Elisha saw. And certain things I have not been able to see, Dr. Dufresne saw because he prophesied, even though I thought, how could this happen? Pastor Nancy has talked to me privately about some things which I won't say publicly. And I say, how could that happen? Because she is the Elisha in my life and she sees some things even though I can't see them. But if I will just stay put and be faithful and keep getting up early, keep a, keep a, a reverential heart, a little bit of holy fear is good for all of us. Don't get thinking that you're the, all that and that you're, oh, God's so lucky to have me. No, just get up early and fear and trembling if you have to. Just do, keep doing that. If you'll stay put and keep your heart right and stay connected to your life, you just keep going. You're doing good. Just keep going. 
I'm going to open your eyes and you're going to see some things. And I thought, Lord, what do you mean? He was not limited only. That statement was a broad spectrum statement. It wasn't just a legalistic statement like you're going to see angels of fire. He wasn't saying to me, you're going to have a vision and see a chariot. That's not what he was saying. It represented as he saw into the realm of the spirit, he saw God's defense. He saw God's power. He saw God's supernatural supply. He saw miracles. And God did miracles. That's what it represents. It isn't, doesn't just mean I'm going to have a one vision. What he's saying is if you'll stay put as that young man and tell the people that they're the young man and tell them to have some reverential fear and tell them to wake up early and pray a little bit. And if they'll do that, you're rightly positioned. You're doing well. If you'll just stay put, you're going to see some things. I'm going to let you see my power. Do you understand what I'm saying? He said to me, this is as real to me as my name. It's as real to me as this thing. It is going to happen as my words. (laughs) I'm telling you, I don't know how else to say it. It's going to happen. Because I know when he talks to me that clearly and when he gives me scripture to back it up and when he shows me that kind of a parallel, get some holy fear going in you, son, like that little young boy was up early because he didn't want to mess things up. And you keep that attitude, not to be afraid, but to have reverential fear. And tell the people that they need to get up earlier and pray. And tell the people that they can't sit back on their haunches. Well, whatever. That that attitude don't fly with God. He's looking for you to have have humility and respect and have a holy fear. And not afraid, but a holy fear of God. And to get up early and say, Father, we don't have no rights. Well, you lucky to have me? No! It is a privilege to be called of God. That young man was thinking, why did they pick me? And I'm thinking the same thing. I don't know. All I know is that he did. He's asked us to do a job. And if we are that young man, and if we will stay put and guard our hearts and stay in the spirit, we're going to see the supernatural power of God. And I'm I'm telling you, that's what I've got to tell you this morning. Now, you see, I told you before, I don't know, all these services are getting jumbled in my mind. I don't know which service it was, but one of the services, if you were listening, then you'd know which service. Because I don't know which service. But one of the services I told you, I said, some services are just to feed you for a strong Christian walk, and other services are to proclaim. For me to speak things that need to be said and declared into the realm of the Spirit. And you need to be equally excited about both flows. Well, today you've got a bit of both. You've got a little bit of instruction as to how you get, how you get the good life is just agree. But you've also got a little bit of me speaking forth because I'm prophesying basically. What I'm saying is I'm prophesying what God told me last Sunday in this 1 p.m. worship time. He said Gehazi was supposed to see these things. Those churches were supposed to see this thing. They disqualified. Now the anointing is on you. Now the mantle is on you. But you're just keep your keep your heart soft and humble. You're nothing but a young man. In other words, don't think you're some, oh, I've, I'm, I'm a wise old sage. I know everything. I've been preaching 29 years. No, no, no. Keep Keep a real humble attitude. Just be a young man. Just get up early and pray. Have a little bit of holy fear on you because I I picked you, but you're not, you don't automatically qualify just because you're around Elisha. You keep guarding your heart, but you're doing, he complimented me. He commended me. He said, you and the church are doing well. He said, you're on your way. You've passed Ziglag. That was the first big test, Hortense. We passed it. 
We're in Hebron. We've got to pass this to get to Jerusalem. We're in Hebron. We're only in the first year, but we're in it, my brothers and sisters. We are doing well. The baton has been passed. We are moving ahead. And he is just, every now and then, he gets my attention. Just keep up your heart. Keep a humble heart. Treat your Elisha right. Don't get arrogant. Don't think that you're more important than you are. Stay humble. Stay praying because you're positioned rightly. And if you'll stay put, I'm going to open your eyes and you're going to see some stuff. You're going to see my power come like you've never seen before. He didn't tell me when, Taylor. I don't know when it's going to be. I don't know. He could just be talking about Jerusalem. I don't know. I just know we're going to see it. When he says we're going to see power, he knows what I've seen. And he is up the ante because he knows what I think is powerful. I've seen babies go from 108 fever to 100 to 98 degrees, 97 degrees in about 23 seconds. I've seen that. That's impressive, but it's not the most impressive. I've seen up in Bancroft, Ontario, a lady came, broke her ankle. Her thing was swelled up like a small watermelon. I, she was a very overweight lady. She had to sit on a chair because she, her, the pressure of her body couldn't handle, her foot couldn't handle it. It was swollen that big. And, I, and she was sitting on a chair with her foot up on another chair as I was going down the healing line. And I laid, Jenny was standing beside me. I laid hands on her and I commanded that to go down and become normal. And I walked on and I heard the Holy Ghost say, go back and watch. So I stopped and I went back and I watched and right in front of me and about 20 other people that were that could see because the rest of the congregation couldn't see. But the worship team, me, the pastor, his family, right in front of our eyes, brother, in about 10 seconds, uh, an ankle that was this big literally shrunk in 10 seconds in front of our eyes. And it went and it was perfectly normal. And she stood up and she started doing this and dancing around. That's the working of miracles. And I could tell you oh, more and more and more and more and more. So God knows what I've seen and what has impressed me. And he is, he is basically saying everything you've seen is piddlywinks. There is stuff coming you don't even know about. So instant healings impress me, but there's obviously instanter healings. If there's such a word. There's dead rays. Why do you think God cooked me up with David Hogan? You think that was by coincidence and chance? No, it's not coincidence and chance. God wants me around that kind of apostolic, crazy, aggressive. When the witch doctor set up the severed goat head to worship Satan and they thought they'd keep David out. But somebody had asked him to come and pray. And he walked into the witch doctor's hut and they had the goat head hanging to intimidate him. And David walked up to the goat head and headbutted it. <laughs> swinging the witch doctor almost had a heart attack because if you desecrate the goat head satan will strike you dead and all david does is headbutts it and, and and looks around and says anybody want a piece of me i'll give you the glory of god and he goes and that witch doctor had cursed this woman and every vertebrae of her spines i think about nine vertebrae was a horn a horn like a goat horn like a horn like a horn not like a piece of paper mache a horn had grown out of every vertebrae of her spine. She had nine horns, about 18 inches long, out of her spine because of witchcraft. And the witch doctor was covered her with spells and hung the goat head to scare David. <laughs> he butts the goat head and he comes and he kneels down and they're chanting curses. And he just looks at them and laughs. That's the David Hogan we have. You see, you don't know what he's like. He's crazy. And he said, Mama... You asked me to come. How can I help you? She says, the devil's got me. He said, I know. 
<laughs> what can I do? Pray, break the devil's power. So he lays his hands on her and he breaks the devil's power. <laughs> Nothing happens. They start going and the next day, that lady, he didn't even recognize her. She was so darkened with witchcraft and pain and she was crippled and paralyzed and these horns. He just saw her like a little crumpled mess on the floor. And the next day they're having a service. She walks out of the jungle with 20 people with her, flat-footed. And in that culture, you, didn't, you don't make eye contact with men directly. It's very disrespectful. You look down. The women look down in that culture. You talk to Jenny, because Jenny don't act that way at all. She'd look right at me and slap me. But in that culture, you can't do that. And she walked right up to David Hogan, flat-footed and square in the eye, which is very unusual. And she said, do you remember me? And he says, no, I don't. And she said, I'm the little lady with the horns. She said she told him the exact time. She said, what were you doing? And that demon had chased them through, that, that witchcraft devil had chased them through the jungle. I want to get into all those scares, some of you into a clearing and started manifesting above them and like, a, like an angel of fire. And it would try to swoop down and intimidate them like a literal angel of fire, but it was a demon spirit that was hovering over them trying to, trying to kill them. And David held and told the pastors that were with him, about six of them, he said, hold hands. He said, if any of you have committed sin that you have not forgive, been forgiven of, you're going to die in the next five minutes. So if I were you, I'd repent. And some of them were, oh my God, I don't Lord, I repent for that. And some of them were repenting right there because when you're in that kind of demonic thing, that they'll kill you. See, none of you know about that, but that stuff's real. You just don't hear about it in your little bubble in Canada with your RSPs. But in the rest of the world, there's a real devil and there's no RSPs. There's demons that will kill you. And they repented and he said, hold your hands. And this fire thing is swooping down and they're crying. They're so afraid. These are pastors. And he starts saying, sing with me about the blood. <laughs> oh my God. And they start saying, oh, the blood of Jesus. And that thing got angrier and angrier the more they sung until finally it exploded in a fire, like a, like a massive firework. It exploded and fire went everywhere. And that thing shot over the mountain. And David looked at his watch. He said, mark the time, boys, we've got the victory. And when that little lady came out, she told him, what were you doing at this exact time to the minute? It was to the very minute that that thing exploded, those horns fell off her. Literally, they were attached to her vertebrae. And they went, Doo -doo 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 -doo, and they all fell on the ground. She stood up healed. She looked at that witch doctor and said, you have no authority over me and pushed past him and walked out the hut and went and immediately witnessed to 20 people, got them born again and filled with the Holy Ghost and said, I don't know where that man is, but we're finding him. And they went through the jungle looking for David Hogan with 20 new converts and no horns. Why did I even talk about that? Taylor, we're going to see some things, Taylor. Why do you think God hooked us up with Brother David? Because God knows that where I'm going in the world, I need a little bit more of a punch of that apostolic anointing. I don't need no wimpy, I don't need no wimpy people. I need somebody that's not afraid to impart to me. Amen. And I'm telling you, we're going to see dead raised in Africa. We're going to see dead raised in other places. Here, they make everything so hard. You need this paper and that thing from the mayor and this thing from the morgue. But over there, they just got dead people lying everywhere. You got to take your pick. Just raise whoever you want. That's where we're going to go. Sarah, you're coming with me, brother. We're going to raise some dead folk. I'm telling you, we're going to see some things. Why should David be the only one to see some things? That ain't fair. Why should David be the only one to see some things? I'm going to see some things. Yes, Hallelujah. Oh, I could tell you stories. My God, but I got I to gotta let you go. It's 312. See, we're two hours and 12 minutes in. Remember I said 230, brother. 
but we're going to end it early so the people will come back. What did God tell me? You keep your heart right like that young man. You wake up early and keep praying and keep having a holy fear. Don't, go, don't, don't get to thinking that you're so special and that you're the big cheese. You keep a humble, soft, and very gentle heart. And you stay put, son. Stay put and just keep doing what you're doing. You're going to see some stuff. That young man saw some stuff, Taylor. My God. He saw miracles. Right after those, those chariots, what did he say? He sees his daddy say, Father, strike them all blind. And the whole army goes blind. And then he lies to them. I guess it was okay. See, got to, don't get religious. He says, oh, what are, you, what are you guys looking for while they're blind? Well, we're looking for this thing in Dothan. Oh, you're in the wrong city. This ain't Dothan. Let me take you where you want to go. Total lie, but that's how the Lord led him. He takes the whole army to Samaria and then says, now, Father, open them up. And all their eyes pop open. And then the king of Israel says, should I kill him? And he says, no, give him food and let him go back to their master. I'm telling you, just exciting adventures in God that this young man, that young man was there the whole time. And every other miracle that you see recorded, that young man witnessed. He was a part of it. God used the daddy, but I believe, it doesn't say it in the Bible, but I believe that that young man, God used that young man down the road. Praise God. Where'd that young man God has told us we've qualified. We want to keep qualifying by getting up early and praying and staying humble. And we're going to see some things. Mom, I'm, you mark my words. We're going to see some things. I can't promise you it'll be next week or even next year. But I'm telling you, if you'll just stay put, you're going to see some stuff with me. And I don't just mean in the far reaches of the jungles of Africa. I mean in services right here. Right here. I saw in the spirit a man come in the door. He had kind of like a little bit disheveled hair, kind of blondish. He looked like he was about in his mid-50s. And he had no, his, which arm? It was his left arm because it was on my right side. He had no arm. It was a stub just above his elbow right here. It had been amputated. In the spirit, God gave me an image of what's coming. I saw him walk in in the service. I was in the spirit. I saw, I saw him walk in with an amputated left arm just above his elbow. And I saw myself. I mean, I, I didn't do it. It's like I was watching myself. And I saw myself say, you with the withered arm, stand up. And, he, st and he's, he was already standing, but he kind of, everybody turned and looked at him. And I said, stretch out your arm. And the arm grew right in front of the entire congregation. Now that happened to Jesus. That happened to Lester Sumrall more than once. Come on. God doesn't love Lester Sumrall more than us. These are the kind of miracles that God is talking. We're going to see some things. We're going to see people just come that God just keeps them awake all night long. They don't even want God, love God. They don't like me or like you or like even what we're doing. But they just can't stop thinking about us. And their money is burning holes in their pocket. I'm telling you, you wait and see. There's going to be testimonies that come in the years to come where people are going to come and say, I don't know why. I don't even know you. I don't even like you. But I have to give you this. I, have to, I just have to give you this. And they're just going to write checks for this much and that much and a million here and a million. And I'm going to buy an airplane and buy a building because God is going to get money. It's not, you're not, he's not limited just to you. You do your part. But he will make sure that others do their part. I'm telling you something about it. We've got such exciting days ahead of us. Praise God.